What if there was a better way to do business? And what if there was one single app with all the answers on how to be the best travel advisor possible? Well, there is. Instead of constantly spinning your wheels in grind mode, what if you had the tools and support you needed to feel more confident in your systems and processes, excited about the types of trips that your clients were booking with you, and motivated by the group of advisors that you surrounded yourself with? Our niche membership comes with a robust library of quarterly revolving resources to help you streamline your business operations, exclusive T-Coasted trainings that help you maximize your efforts, and community roundtable events that will connect you to other advisors around the world while you walk away with a collection of your peers' best practices. And you get all of this for only $35 a month. You can find your sense of place in the industry at Niche. Check out all the details to our community membership in the show notes. A few months back, I met up with our guests for coffee in Cannes, France. We had a great time discussing what it meant to be moms who travel for work, as well as women who continue to strive for more. The pros, the cons, and all things in between. One part of the conversation that we both became quite passionate about was the labor-intensive part of being a supplier when it comes to hosting fams. We have hosted niche community fams in Morocco, Costa Rica, and Greece, and then we realized the weight and the promise that came with providing these events. Honestly, many of the aspects of planning that came about, I had personally never given thought to when I was on the advisor side, and that is why we felt that an episode on the do's and don'ts of fams would be a great way for us to share this collective perspective. Today, our guests are Tara D'Agostino and Jamie Jackson of the representation firm Wanderlux Destination. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency, and now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine, so pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Tara and Jamie. Thank you for having us today. We're very excited to be here. Thank you. And so before we get started to the quote unquote fun stuff, I would love for you both to share a little bit about how you got into the industry, your background in the industry, and really about your company so that anyone listening can familiarize themselves with Wanderlux Destination. Sure. So I'll start off going first and then I will pass it over to Jamie. Tara D'Agostino, I'm the owner of Wanderlux Destinations. I started in the industry about 14 years ago in a very organic way. I live in Florham Park, New Jersey, which is the home of the New York Jets. I started doing travel as a hobby. We were always a family who traveled and a lot of the players and coaches were looking at us and they're like, we want to do what you're doing. So I started planning travel and I was telling my one cousin, because again, I'm from Ohio, Her name was Wendy Wagner. She actually just passed away on January 2nd, but she owned a representation company. And I had no idea what that was, but I knew she was in travel. So I was telling her what I was doing. And she was really the one who pushed me into doing travel. So I started as an advisor with Travel Long of Summit in Summit, New Jersey, which is a virtuoso agency. And I just built my business really quickly. 
After spending some time on the advisor side, Wendy said to me, come over to my side of the business and work with me. And it took me a little while, but I finally took the bait. I came over to the supplier side and the rest is history. So I actually ended up acquiring her company on March 31st of 2019. So we're coming up on five years. We rebranded to Wanderlux Destinations on July 1st of 2019. And then the rest is kind of history. Acquired a company during one of the craziest (laughs) times that we have ever witnessed in the travel industry. But we just kept pushing and moving forward and being adaptable. I was on more than 200 flights between March of 2020 and March of 22. I did the quarantines. I found my way into Europe. I went to see clients. And I believe we had a lot of visibility in that way. And around, you know, 2021, you know, Wanderlux, I think, started really being recognized. And then we started growing our team. So Jamie came on board in November of 21. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. (laughs) We've just been growing the team from there. We're now a team of 10. We have an incredible portfolio of hotels and DMCs. We have organically grown into a company that really almost primarily works just with family-owned companies. And I love that because I love having direct access to owners. And we love helping to establish these hotels, resorts, DMCs, travel services within the travel advisor community. And I think the biggest thing about Wanderlux that's different from everybody else is we all started from advisors. We were never hoteliers first. We were advisors first. So I think it gives us really amazing perspective in working with advisors, but then also our clients understanding what, how they need to adapt and what they need to be successful in the North American market. On November 8th, we did make an investment, my husband and I, into Lush Experiences. So that is very exciting news yes. too. So we're just, we're just like along. moving forward. Yes. But congratulations. Thank you so much. And Jamie is our director of sales. I can't say enough amazing things about Jamie. She really came on board, like I said, in November of 21 and really grabbed on to representation. Jamie reminds me so much of myself. Thank you. So I, as she had said, I did start as an advisor. I started 10 years ago. My travel advisor was looking to grow her business and she needed an assistant and brought me on and started learning the business. And then she had a family emergency where she pretty much had to step away. And I was said, well, if I'm going to pursue this career, I'm going to learn everything on my own. So I started attending conferences, shows, getting to know suppliers and getting to know everything. And anyone that's known me my entire life, they say, Jamie, you don't let grass grow. And I really don't. I'm always like, oh, well, I need to know this. I need to understand that. Like, I'm completely curious, George, trying to figure things out and why systems are the way they are, that I got into other aspects of the industry where (laughs) dealing with my clients as an advisor wasn't my number one priority. It was everything else. And I was like, I'm probably in the wrong role for this. Getting involved with millennials and travel was great. And then meeting Tara. And then as she kind of said, everything kind of just happened organically. It was the perfect time for everything. And I think our team is the best match of the yin and yangs, as you always say, that it just works well. And I love being part of this team and learning from advisors what advisors' ups and downs are and how we can help them and how we can 
teach our partners and learn the partner side. Like we just had a call with one of our partners understanding how their hotel process works so we can share that with the advisor. So everybody's kind of on the same page. That's another podcast episode because I do think it's imperative for everyone to understand the behind the scenes of every part of the process in order to have a a true appreciation for the process. So that's our anticipation too with our guests. Last year, we didn't really bring on a lot of guests. This year, we started bringing on more guests because it just helps people understand the complexities and all the work that goes into every piece of the process. And it allows us to be better partners with each other. And it allows advisors to strengthen their relationships so they're positive. So I I love all of that. And that's really how our conversation evolved while we were sitting there at breakfast was like, these are all the things we wish people knew. And I was like, actually, let's do a podcast on that. If we want people to know, let's create an avenue and a platform for people to know. Hi, Amandalyn here. I'm the creative director at Teak, and I'm jumping in to give you the scoop on an exciting new service, our semi-custom brands. Maybe you're just starting out in the industry, but want to make a great first impression and launch your business with a fresh and professional brand. Maybe you're looking to update your current branding and you're just not in a season that allows you to make a huge investment. Or maybe you're just looking for a quicker turnaround time than our signature brand service offers. If you resonate with any of these, then our semi-custom brand service is a great solution for you. So what exactly is a semi-custom brand? Each quarter we'll be designing and releasing three new semi-custom brand concepts. I've worked to create brand packages that are on trend yet classic so that you have a good idea of the potential of each brand kit. Our website showcases mock-ups and transformations. You have got to check these out. It's really cool. To start, you'll select the concept that you like and complete some fun homework assignments. Think Pinterest and questionnaires all about you so that we can get to know you and your business and your vibe. Then our operations manager will secure your design day with me where I'll customize your concepts by inputting info like your business name and tagline and build out your color palette. I'll devote six hours of my day to designing for you and sharing the drafts while we chat on the Slack app. You'll walk away with a logo suite, color palette, launch graphics to show off your new brand and a suggested list of fonts. We assure that once these brand concepts are personalized, no two look the same. If you'd like to learn more about the process or see those transformations for yourself, head to the link in our show notes. Our team is excited to bring our new semi-custom brands to the community and have the opportunity to help even more advisors. We hope to see you on our design calendar soon. So I want to say, before we dive into the FAMs, I believe that you should make very educated decisions on what makes sense for your business in the seasonality of your business. If you are a newer advisor and you do not have the resources to invest yet in seeing a destination live, then I would recommend investing your time rather than your money and get to know great partners, connect with representation firms, get on Zooms, learn about the destinations make sure that you sound educated, create a book of business, and then start to invest in FAMS. Do you have anything to say on that? Because I know we we hadn't really touched on that in our notes, but I would love your thoughts. I do. I think your point is well taken, Jennifer. So when I came into the industry, the idea of the DMC had just started. So there were very few destination management companies, but I 
remember thinking to myself, if I can find a reliable partner in literally every single part of the world, not only can I throw this to them for all of my clients after I'm doing the vetting, but I can double, triple, quadruple my output because I'm literally throwing it to all of my trusted partners. And I remember thinking about that and starting to work with DMCs. When I started to work with DMCs many years ago, they were nowhere near the level that they are now. But I remember always saying it's about the relationships. It's about establishing these trusted partner relationships. And I think that's something we really bring to the table with our DMCs and our hotels is how amazing our partners understand the travel advisors and how well taken care of your clients are. And that's why I like to work with, you know, these family-owned more boutique DMCs because it's not just about making numbers with them. It's about really making your clients happy. So well said, well spoken, relationships, 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 and having the right partners in the right places. I agree completely. We're going to shift to talking specifically about FAMS and peeling back the curtain behind everything that goes on in the planning, which is so extensive. And I I am happy to share my personal anecdotes as, as we go along the way. And I think everyone has a different perspective on how they plan FAMS or how they pick the attendees for the FAMS, obviously. Now, I know that you have and host beautiful FAMS. So I'm very excited to hear a little bit from you about that. So can you start to shed light on the initial steps that go into creating a FAM? And you can start back to like conceptualizing. Yes. FAMs are not an easy thing to execute. <laughs> Let me just start there. They look easy yeah. and magical and that's the point, right? <laughs> right. And one of the things that I think Wanderlux Destinations does very well is we execute incredible FAMs. So we have anywhere between 15 and 20 FAMs per year that we are executing along with our partners. So it really starts generally in the August or September of the year prior, where we're trying to establish what we're doing, what partners we're combining with FAMs. You know, remember, we have a lot of independent hotels. So it's like putting these independent hotels together, figuring out the dates, figuring out space. And it's gotten even more complicated in this post-COVID world because a lot more people are traveling during shoulder season, which is when a lot of our FAMs take place. So the amount of correspondence, the amount of planning that goes into these is quite extensive. Of course, we always do separate DMC FAMs, and sometimes our hotels will participate in those DMC FAMs, sometimes they will not. And then again, it's putting together our independent hotels to create these FAMs. So that really starts in August or September of the year before. Once we get those FAMs on the books, and we are still getting those FAMs on the books, you know, remember, we're going into like another very busy shoulder season in September, October, we're in the sales season. And again, everyone's busy, it's hard to wrap their heads around it. But we are getting there, I would say we're about 60% of the way for our 2024 FAMs. Now, we start doing the invitations, creating the itineraries, and then creating our invite list. All of these steps are very time consuming, because we think very deeply about how we put fam groups together. And it's not just about throwing out invitations. Most of our fams are very small. We generally have only six advisors. The highest we will go is eight advisors. 
it's really important to keep a very discerning group together. And we do this in a number of ways. And Jamie, I don't know if we want to go into and describe the ways in which we do this. Putting together the invite list, we look at many different avenues. So we look at advisor bookings for the specific destinations. We collaborate with our clients and we ask them to send us maybe a list of advisors that they would like invited. We actually have a FAM request form on our website. So we scour our FAM request forms. We look at agents. So we want agents from every demographic. We will never have a FAM with just one agency. Uh, We will never have a FAM with just agents from New York. We are literally looking for agents when we're doing a FAM from every different part of North America. We like to have really experienced advisors on that FAM, 30 plus years. We like to have new advisors. We like to have advisors who have been in the industry for 10 years. And we also are looking at personality type. We truly realize you can only have no more than two type A's on any type of face. In this industry, think about that. We're all type A. There's a lot of type A's. And there are a lot of fantastically successful type A's too. So it's like, how do you pull back from that? But if you think about it, I think of it more like Enneagram style. I'm like, yes, I feel like could we have an Enneagram analysis and then make sure you don't have it more than two threes, that kind of thing. And we've been very successful with creating these fan groups because I think we have such a diverse group of people that everyone finds their space within the fam. It doesn't get clickish. It doesn't get catty. So what I always say about educationals is the educational is not just about the client and the destination. The educational is about the advisors learning from one another and being collaborative at the table. And so that is, I think, a real reason why our fams are very successful is because it's not just like, let's put this together and let's just get a group together so we can have another check mark, check it off the list for our clients and move forward. We put so much time and effort. And I think if I may be so bold to say is, It's very difficult when we get criticism from advisors saying, you always have the same people on your fans or why am I not invited? And it's not just so simple as putting someone on an invite list. There is a whole way we go about doing this. And, you know, we do have some advisors who travel with us a little bit more than others, but they also are huge bookers of producers. So that- And they may have a team that they're educating on the product as well. I think people- forget that sometimes too. They may be a representation of 5, 10, 15 people under their organization that they are then in turn sharing that information with. Exactly. And we also find it really helpful. We've had many advisors where we are their first fam. And I feel very humbled and grateful when we get to be the first fam because I do think we set a precedent for every other fam in the way it should run. So I don't know if, Jamie, if you want to go into any more detail about the process. Yeah, I think one thing that you didn't touch on was the preparation for those fans that we are trying to make these advisors as comfortable as possible when they get to this new destination to them. So in advance, we are collecting their bios, their food preferences, what needs to be known about them, their pictures. We're collecting the passports and all of those things. So when they show up, someone from the hotel knows exactly what they look like and what their needs are. So everything is ready for them as soon as they get there. 
And that's a really important part of the process. We've done all the background research. We have all of the summaries of the destination that we will start sharing social media, tagging these advisors already in advance. And they're like, how did you already do that post with pictures and me tagged in it that I can share myself? And we're like, it's the preparation that was done six months into showing up on this day. Because when people say to us, you know, you just show up and you get to do these things. And I'm like, oh, bless your heart. You know, you have no idea. (laughs) That is a point well taken too, Jamie. So after, you know, we go through the entire process of getting our fam group together, about two to three weeks prior to the fam, we put together a group WhatsApp with our clients hosting the fam on the WhatsApp. And then we also do ask for a Zoom. We found that, not that knock on wood, we've ever had this issue, but we were hearing from some stories from other fams. And honestly, we had to say to our clients, we're really preparing these advisors to be on the fam. So not only do we have a Zoom reviewing the itinerary, reviewing what they need, reviewing you know everything from weather to shoe options to clothing to expectation, but also a FAM code of conduct. And so if you sign on to this FAM, you have the itinerary in advance. If there is something you don't feel comfortable doing, you do need to let us know about that in advance. We understand that you're working and we understand that things come up, but also if you're committing to this FAM, you are committing to every meal and being on time. You're committing to every activity and being on time. And so we like to set those expectations and be very transparent and honest right up front. And it's like, if you have an issue with any of this, you do need to let us know in advance. So maybe it's not the right fam for you and we'll put you on another fam or we understand the reasons why you can't do this activity and we can you know, accommodate you in another way. So let's dive into this further because this is definitely a hot button for me. And I want to I wanna back up just like one second and then I'm going to go right into that. Because to Jamie's point, she shared like all of the steps and even your description, Jamie, is still a fast forward version of it, right? Like when I was organizing fams, I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be lovely. We're going to get our niche community members together. Okay. Let's like, first of all, you have to, you already have a built-in relationship obviously with the vendor, but for us, we had to find a, a partner that wanted to collaborate with us. Mm-hmm. Then we had to create the itinerary that was on trend with what people were asking, but was not going to be booked out for the dates, which is a hard balance, right? Like you want to give people what is important for them to see, but the availability has to match to Tara's point. Like it's, it's, it is a hard balance. And even in shoulder season, there's not much shoulder season in some of your destinations anymore, right? Like Italy and Greece, France, there's just a lot less shoulder season. And even those quote unquote, low seasons are incredibly booked more than we ever saw five years ago. So then once you solidify the itinerary, then for us, we would create an application. And I know this is a little bit different, but we had a community and we had to justify to our suppliers why someone was taking up a spot. And we wanted to do that in a more metrics way, because since they are a paying member of our community, it felt inappropriate to be ranking people subjectively. It needed to be more categorical. So we would have the application and then we would highlight the top names based off of what they sold, what they are having potential to sell in the coming year, send it to the supplier, get their buy-in, then extend the invites, collect the payments, 
if someone backed out, we had to find a replacement. We had to advertise it. That was creating a newsletter. There's a lot of hidden labor just in the creation and then the tracking, going into the tracking, getting the flight details, getting the allergies, communicating that to the supplier. And then again, if there's any change in attendees, getting that information quickly and changing it. Then it goes into like navigating pre and post if they want to extend and helping them find ways of doing that. And then it's the staff and team members being out of pocket, paying for the flights yourself going. So there's a labor, I'm just talking about labor costs for these. Right. And now everyone is getting a paycheck during these things. Okay. These are not necessarily immediately revenue producing FAMs. The whole concept of a FAM is the hope of a long-term return on investment. This is nothing immediate like creating social media posts with the most recent deal that you could maybe book this week. So advisors do have to think about that. There is no immediate revenue return for these immediate labor costs that an organization is seeing. And it could be Wanderlux destinations. It could be your DMCs because the DMCs are also paying someone to put the itineraries together. That is something that I want to touch on is everyone thinks everything is free. There is a cost associated with everything. Our DMCs work with vendors. The vendor, I mean, maybe they are getting a discount or net rate, but these are things that we pay for. They are not free. There is a cost to everyone, whether it be labor or, I mean, down to housekeeping and staff and concierge and organization. So I do want to dive into first before we go into the cost, because there's so much to peel back on that. Tara, to your point, you mentioned the promise that an advisor is essentially giving in exchange for accepting an invitation. You mentioned the expectations that go along with a fam. Can you share some of the expectations either you or your partners have when someone joins a fam? And it this could be as simple as social media posts, attendance, tagging, a blog post, maybe behavior, like anything that you feel like someone is making a nonverbal or even a written agreement. I don't know if you do a written agreement before a fam, but what is an advisor promising when they accept an invitation? I think the number one biggest thing, and it's an intangible, is respect. Respect for Wanderlux, respect for our host, and respect for your other fam participants. So, you know, making sure that conversations at a table don't get heated, that we understand what is appropriate conversation and inappropriate conversation. (laughs) And so I think respect that the intangible is respect. The tangibles are, you know, as we had mentioned, please be on time. I always joke that there's a 10 minute fam delay and we understand that. So we always anticipate that, but please be on time. Please be appropriately dressed. Please have all of your ducks in a row. Remember your adapters. Remember everything that you need. And it's so funny because I have started to carry extra adapters with me, extra phone cords. It's so (laughs) crazy how people do not remember or are not prepared in these ways. And again, we're there and we're prepared, but I would ask everyone to be prepared. 
I would ask everybody to review the itinerary prior to that is an expectation. Understand what we are doing. Please do not come into the fam blindly. We would also expect you to be on our Zoom if it's possible. It takes 20 minutes where we do that review where everybody has a quick introduction to one another. But I think the biggest is just a level of respect and graciousness. In terms of social media, you know, not everybody has social media. And we're that was still- why I was asking. Yeah. This, is, this can be difficult, right? Definitely. Like not everyone, not everyone's client is on social media and not everyone is comfortable on social media. Right. And so that's not something that we require of people. It's something we do ask of people. Okay. And we have actually created a wonderful formula. So we literally, as a team, if you're on a Wanderlux fam, we are creating the content for you in real time and we're tagging everybody. And at the end of every day, we do a complete post and everybody is tagged. We even send the content in the group WhatsApp so they can use it. And our big thing is plagiarize, plagiarize, plagiarize. (laughs) We are happy for you to plagiarize anything that we write. That you write, point of clarification. (laughs) And so many of the advisors, and again, and they can take it and they can put their own spin on it and so many do, but so many of the advisors have said, no one has ever done this for us. Thank you for making it so easy. And again, talk about the workload on the back end. When everybody else is in bed, Jamie, myself, our team, we're up creating these social media posts in real time. So I would say for our clients, I guess, unfortunately, unfortunately, we've kind of trained them to see what we're doing in real time. But we would ask the advisors, if you do have social media, if you use it, please just be reposting us and tagging us. We do prefer it in real time. But if not, we would like to see something on the back end of that. And then, of course, we do ask our advisors when they're done with the fam, we would like a review. We would like you to tell us what we did really well. Um, We would like you to tell us where we could use improvement. Some of our partners will actually send out a survey. Otherwise, it's generally an email. And again, there's also expectation. Let's just say we're trying to get a hotel into Virtuoso. You're a virtuoso advisor on our fam. We would love for you to write us that recommendation. So those are some of the really important things. But for me, the number one thing is like, just please be a good human and be a good Mm -hmm. professional. And if you're all of those things, everything else falls into place. I like your point on respect. I think it's always important to remember, do not be an inconvenience. And, you know, like respect is a very positive way of saying it. I can appreciate that you said it that kindly, but don't be an inconvenience to anyone. Do not be an inconvenience to the sales representative who's waiting to show you around the hotel, who probably has a meeting immediately after the site visit. And everything has a chain effect, right? Like if you make someone late, they're probably going to be a little bit flustered. Maybe their next meeting won't go well. Then you're late for the next tour. Maybe it's been, it's a timed ticket tour. There's just so many things that you may not factor in when you're trying to pick the right outfit for the event you're going to. So you get that Instagram picture. I have all of the respect for that, but do it before you go. Look at the itinerary. I'm a crazy, crazy planner and I would take my Travify and I would upload a picture of the outfit I wanted to wear per tour so that I wasn't scrambling because you usually have like 
a solid two minutes between things right. to get ready, right? You're like, okay, we did the site visit. Now we're changing to go to dinner and it may be a different dress code. So you run back and you're like, I don't remember what I was going to wear tonight. Well, if you do some pre-planning and you go so far as to plan the attire for each thing you're going to, it does allow you to be less of an inconvenience and you still can get the quality shots, the Instagram, whatever you need, or just the comfort of changing into something maybe you were uncomfortable at another event. I think of all of the times that we were waiting in the lobby and there's always one and I usually love that person, you know, so much, but I'm like, okay, next time we just really need to be on time. And it puts you two in a really hard position where these people are your clients as well in a way. And then you're having to be an enforcer and it's a very weird feeling. It's just not a feel good situation to have to give feedback to someone you're trying to impress. Exactly. And as I said, we've been you know, fairly successful overall. And my team, myself, my team, we understand it. And before every fam that someone is going on, so not only are we having the external communication with the advisors, we're having internal communication about every advisor on that fam, what we know about them, how we know what they might like, what they might dislike. Maybe we don't have two advisors sitting next to each other at a dinner. I mean, these are the conversations that we're really having because, and again, from our side, not only do we want it to be highly successful for the advisors, I personally need it to be highly successful for my clients. Correct. You know, my neck is on the line every single time we do one of these and we'd have a high success rate. But at the end of the day, if something goes really wrong, that's on me personally. Mm -hmm. It's not even on Jamie or Katya or Denise or Olivia. That's me. And that's my business. And that's our reputation to our clients. So that is why we do so much preparation and so much talking and so much communication. And when I have uh, one of my wanderluxers on a fam, I mean, Jamie, we talk maybe multiple times a day. How is it going? How... How are they reacting? What are they liking? You know, is there anything else that we need to accommodate? We're just in constant communication to make it as successful as possible for everybody involved. Right. The energy spend is very high. And I think that's also underestimated because I am very empathetic. And if I see tension happening at a table, my exhaustion level at the end of a fam is just like, I am tapped. I mean, I could conk out on the way home for the entire flight, even if it's like a different continent, because I am thinking, is that person feeling included? Are they happy? Oh, I see tension at the table. And then you have to do this like psychological management, honestly, of the entire group. And a lot of people, it, it may be very, I don't want to say a lot, uh, it may be very easy to think that I'm the advisor, you are working to impress me as the representation firm. Well, you just mentioned this. Yes, but you have a contractual allegiance to your client. And that's where, I don't want to say that's where the priority is. The priority is the relationship between the two. That's the important magic sauce that you're you're trying to create. But there is a balance between the two and you are loyal to both. So it can't be heavy on one side. And I say that because it goes back to not being an inconvenience. If you have the ability to not make special requests, I would say, and I would love your opinion on this, 
I would say make as few as possible. Obviously, if you have an allergy, if there's a mobility factor to be considered, all of those things are just essential. But I'm talking about, you know, certain room categories or just preferences that can add a whole different layer of emotional spend and potentially monetary spend for you as well. So do you have anything to share on that? Well, I think the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is that we have some small boutique hotels. Maybe some of them have under 30 rooms. So when we have a fam there of six advisors, there is a range of room categories that we are allotted. And it's really hard if somebody goes, well, why did they get a nicer room category than I got? Mm -hmm. And so in the pre-planning, we're also figuring out how to assign those room categories in each destination to the people. But the advisors should be of the understanding, well, it's a chance for us to try out each different type of room category and we'll take pictures and get to view and visit each other's rooms too. So there's a lot more involved than you just getting dumped on the entry-level room category. It's all about self-awareness, right? And that we don't, at least in our fams, everything is very well thought. So there is a reason why everybody is where they are. And so if it's an advisor who's in an entry-level category and they're wondering why they're not in, you know, why did this person get this category? That is based on, so I'm very big with respect and experience. You better believe even if they're doing or not doing business with us, if this advisor has been in the industry for 40 years, I'm putting them probably in the best room category because that is just, we have to be reverent to the people who have come before us because they have such a wealth of knowledge and information. I will always, always, always go above and beyond Yeah, yeah. For, for those people. So there's always a method to the madness, I guess, is what we're trying to say. And sometimes too, if it's an advisor we're really close with, we'll say to them like, hey, can you take one for the team on this one? I've only got these certain room categories. Do you mind if I put you in the entry level? And it, you know, I think it's always just about being transparent and honest. But yeah, I think it's about self-awareness. And it's not a vacation. You know, when you are on a vacation, you can pick your room category is how I view it. And I'm sure that also if someone is in a lower room category, they're probably going to be in a different room category the next time. I'm sure there's a balancing act to that as well. It's important to remember that you're, as an advisor, paying a very, very low ticket to, if if at all, sometimes in comparison to what is being given to you as a promotional opportunity. And yes, I am sure that every hotel, if they could give a penthouse suite to every advisor so that they could have the best experience possible, they would. And that's what's important to remember. Like if they could, they absolutely would, but there's circumstances always behind the curtain that we may not know about. And it's a practice of gratitude. I mean, I just, I just can't imagine going to some beautiful hotel for the first time, experiencing a destination in this very bespoke and thoughtfully curated way and lacking the gratitude. So I think it is just a reminder, like if this podcast does anything, like let it serve as a reminder that your experience doesn't come without the sacrifice or cost of someone else. There's always a reason and what goes around comes around. It will, it will all come out in the wash, I assure you. And your 
client may not even need to be the penthouse suite client. My client wasn't the penthouse suite client, and I'm not afraid to say that. So putting me in an entry level or one up from that was perfect for me because I had moderate to luxury clients. And that was the sweet spot for me. I actually wanted to know the entry level experience so that I could know, is this where I need to encourage them to upgrade? Those experiences are just as beneficial as the top-notch experiences. I do want to talk about the financial investment from everyone. And this is something that I just had never... I've To this day, this is an, an actual opportunity right now for me to understand where the spend is and from whom. So is the representation firm paying for rooms? Are you getting a comp rate? Are you getting a net rate? And you don't have to be so granular and give away all the all the secrets by any means. But transportation, is that a cost? Is that complimentary? Like, where are you seeing the actual costs? And what is an advisor paying for? And what are they not paying for that someone else is? So... This one, it's definitely a complicated question because okay. every fam is a little bit different. So in terms of Wanderlux, our personal cost is I do not have our clients pay for our air tickets. Um, so we do purchase our own air tickets to be a host. And then generally Wanderlux in a lot of ways will sponsor, you know, a dinner or some type of activity throughout. So that is a bit of the cost to us. And that's not all of the time. It might be some of the time, but we generally like to help our clients out in that way too. So for a DMC fam, it depends. If the hotels in the DMC fam are a part of our fam, those are often offered complimentary. If they're a hotel that's not a part of our collection, there could be a small fee associated. Again, it depends on the time of year. It depends on where we're going. There are so many factors in that. But it's important to know that hotels are not always complimentary. And then in terms of the other land services, remember that we are always finding other, like our DMCs work with other providers. They don't own their transportation. They don't employ their guides. So someone is always getting paid in all of this. So generally, every guide you have is getting paid. Every type of transportation is getting paid. And again, it's going to be net rates or maybe even a percentage off of that. But all of these services are actually paid. They are not offered complimentary. So what we have started to do is everyone has, so everyone has skin in the game. Our DMC fams, we do charge a fee. And we charge a fee, $500 for a one-week fam and about $1,000 for a two-week fam. That's like a good rule of thumb because everybody has to have some type of skin in the game and stake in the game. So that cost does cover a little bit of what the advisor is getting, and it does help our DMCs or our partners offset the cost. But again, it's, it's a very small percentage. But again, one of the reasons we decided that we now have a cost associated with all of our fams is because we were finding too many advisors being a bit flippant about their commitment. And we're like, okay, well, this fee is non-refundable. So we have less issues with people choosing to cancel. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that people don't always recognize as well as is the cost of a cancellation because now that room, if it goes unused, there's not a future return on investment for that hotel. 
the DMC potentially. And the hotel wasn't able to fill that space and get immediate revenue. So there, there is definitely a chain reaction to a cancellation. And I, I know it's inevitable sometimes. Life happens. Yeah, I mean, people, right. listen, things happen and we understand that. But it's also on our side when we have a cancellation, we want to try to fill that spot. And if the cancellation comes just a day or two before, I mean, it's nearly impossible. Although we have pulled out some pretty incredible <laughs> situations before. What I think advisors from our perspective need to understand, it's a direct reflection on Wanderlux destinations to our client. If you are choosing to cancel, please let it be a really, really, really good reason as to why you're choosing to cancel because it puts a lot of pressure and stress on us. Do you ever have anyone come to you and say, I can't make it anymore, but I actually know of an advisor that would love to take my spot and they'll buy my spot out? And I know that that would have to come at an approval from, from you, obviously. To me, I feel like that's a potentially great solution if you know and trust that advisor to take your spot. We are so appreciative okay. of that. So appreciative. Okay. So there's an additional cost to advisors that I think think is underestimated many times prior to departure and may not be communicated in advance in its tipping. It is a financial investment, both your initial payment to the hosting partner, right? So that 500 to 1,000 that you mentioned, plus your airfare, plus any meals that are not necessarily included and obviously drinks, anything that you are choosing to consume, but there's also tipping. So can you shed light on the expectation of tipping for advisors and how they can financially prepare for that? Because it it has taken some advisors by surprise. And like we mentioned earlier, if they're earlier in their career, maybe that's a larger amount for them. Maybe it feels really heavy. So yeah. what can someone expect when it comes to tipping? So for our fams, we always go over that in our pre-fam Zoom, that there will be a certain amount of tips and we actually take care of that. We found early on, it was very difficult when you're with a group and you get out of a transfer and some of the advisors tip and some of the advisors don't. And that makes it a little complicated or who has cash, who doesn't have cash. So myself and my team, we are always prepared with cash and we do all of the tipping. And then at the end of the trip, we just ask everyone to either Venmo or zell us um, their portion, or if they have cash, they can give us our portion. Generally, because we've done these fams before, we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to be the cost approximately per person for something like this. But I would say that advisors should set aside, you know, 20 to $25 a day in tipping for any fam that they're going to go on. Everyone has their own way of doing things. This is how we do it. And again, talking about a cost, a lot of times that is an additional cost to Wanderlux if we don't totally get reimbursed from everybody. Mm -hmm. But again, something very important that every advisor should know before going. And preparing for those one-off like the bellhop and things like that. I think it is very important if your business is being invested in by 
a hotel, a partner, it should be returned to the team that is supporting your experience. And it's okay to have these conversations and travel. If we are at dinner at a hotel and the sales manager's there, ask the sales manager of the hotel, what is your typical uh, process on property? If we're uh, with a DMC and we're on a drive, ask the DMC, in this destination, what is the recommended tipping? And take notes of that for your clients for the future so that you can provide these tips. We don't know unless we ask. So it's a great conversation to have in travel. I agree with that. It's important to understand cultural norms and that's half the point of being there. It's not just about the properties. To me, a lot of the fam takeaway is that you're able to learn about the cultural norms, not just what room category is great for your client. Because a lot of the time, you may be booking a room or a hotel that you didn't see at all, but you were able to sell the destination because your client saw that you were in that destination or you were able to knowledgeably speak about that destination. So to me, it's less about the specific product that you see. It's much more about the comprehensive experience that you have in that destination and you're able to walk away and speak to the location. Okay. So I do want to touch on before we wrap up, the do's and don'ts of a site visit. This is something that I just don't think that you come into the industry knowing. With the room tours, everybody wants pictures and video. And to have eight people doing that at the same time takes a half hour per room. So on my fam trips, we figure out who's the best picture taker and who's the best at doing videos. We have that designated person do it in the room, and then they'll share it in the chat to everyone else so we can all share that and make it the time more efficient on our site visit. So on our Zoom, on our pre-fam Zooms, we always review it. But generally, particularly on DMC fams, we have a conversation at the very beginning. When we get on a fam, usually it's the first time we're on a transfer or the first dinner. We will also review the do's and don'ts of the fam and the site visits. Don't ever, ever, ever talk about another hotel or their competitor while you're actually on the site visit. That is the number one don't. And remember, usually when you're going to see a property, it's not just a site visit. They're hosting you for something else. They're hosting you for a cocktail or they're hosting you for a meal or they're hosting you for an experience. Engage in the meal, the cocktail, or the experience. Another don't, I know that people have their phones out Please do not work. I mean, you're taking pictures of the site visit. Please do not work. Please do not be on the phone. Please do not text on a site visit. We are here for a definitive amount of time. You are working while you're here. And that is being very disrespectful to the person. So fully engaged. And sometimes when I'm on a site visit, I will be almost more engaged to show our group you guys are not engaging enough. Put the phones away, please. I, I know this is not popular, but we really need to give everybody our utmost attention. Also, be fast, be quick. You're with a group. Move through the site oh visit. Gosh. You do not need to stop and talk about it in the hallway outside of every room. Let's keep moving. So it really is, again, just about respect. And please do not have conversations while your host is speaking to you. Please do not be having side conversations. Mm -hmm. With that said, I want to take it from the supplier side too. They also need to be 
quick. They also need to be engaged with our advisors. They also need to read the room sometimes. So, you know, I think there is a give and a take on both sides. And as a host, sometimes it's, you know, getting our group intact and saying, can you please pay attention and not talk? We're being hosted here. And on the other side with our host from the hotel, it's like, I think we need to move this along a little bit faster. I like to always give a solution for the problem. To me, if you are thinking, well, how can I not work when I'm on a fam? I can't step away from my clients that long. Then you need to figure out systems in in your business that allow you to. So episode number three is preparing to go out of office. I highly recommend listening to that. It is a step-by-step way of ensuring that your clients know you're going out of office and handling everything that you need to handle. That's a non-emergent situation before you ever go on a fam or a vacation because you owe it to yourself. You've invested in the experience and you owe it to your partners to be present. And that's all you're saying, Tara, is just be present. You need to be respectful, you mm-hmm. need to be engaged, and you need to be present. And so I guess that those should be the, the themes, right? Respectful, yes. engaged, present. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add or any other nuggets of wisdom that you want people to know either about the labor cost of putting together a fam, the financial cost, or even just the etiquette that goes along with attending a fam? I have a little to add when you had discussed the cost of the trip. For the supplier, when we are going over picking the dates for a fam in the very beginning of the year, it is a budget. This is a portion on their lines each year saying, I need to set aside this much of my sales and marketing money as a hotel or as a DMC for this fam trip. So as an advisor, you have to understand they are investing this sales and marketing money in these six advisors coming to this destination. So that's an important thing to understand and appreciate as an advisor. It is their business investment, so you have to treat it that way too. And I know as an advisor, you want your clients and your travelers to treat you as a professional. So just kind of look at it in the same way to the supplier that is hosting you as well. One thing that you just said triggered another thought that's slightly unrelated, but you were talking about the dates of selecting a fam and taking it back to when we were talking about flexibility and adaptability. There are times where all of a sudden a hotel's availability may change. Maybe they have a buyout that's pending and it outweighs the marketing spend and there has to be an adjustment in that fam itinerary. What I would say to that, and you may have a thought on this as well, is You're always going to do your best to make it an even trade for something else, but there may be swaps and changes along the way that are business requirements, just like an airline can change a seat assignment (laughs) or an aircraft. You know what I mean? It is just the same. And so we had some hotel shifts when we did one of our fams and it was inconvenient, but they did the best possible job due to being in a country during a religious holiday and availability completely changing beyond what they expected for that time of year. So being flexible, adaptable, and gracious and respectful is kind of the the theme of this entire episode, I would say. Great point. 
Thank you both so much for being here. I'm so grateful for our partnership with Wanderlux Destinations for this. Thank you so much for your time for us to get together in France. I just loved that breakfast and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. You you all always show up beautifully at the ILTM conference. So if you have not gotten a chance to go to ILTM, I encourage you to apply and Anyone that's listening, I absolutely encourage you to reach out to Wanderlux Destinations to learn about their portfolio. Can you share a little bit on how to create a relationship with you and where an advisor can find you? Hi at WanderluxDestinations.com, Tara at WanderluxDestinations.com, Jamie at WanderluxDestinations.com. We are highly responsive. And of course, just reach out to us. We're happy to jump on a Zoom, a phone call, set up a breakfast, a coffee if you're in our area. We really invest in our advisors and the relationships. And I think that's what this for me isn't just a business. This is my life. And the team, they invest just as much time and they believe in what we're doing too. So we're very human. We're very approachable. And we just love to talk to you and have relationships and understand your business while also promoting all of our amazing clients. So whatever you need, we're here. Amazing. Thank you again, both of you, for taking time out of your schedules to be here. Thank you to our listeners for joining another Teak Talks episode. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to the Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.